and welcome to the Virtually Confident Podcast with me, Esther Stanhope, the impact guru, speaker and author of Goodbye Glossophobia. This is the podcast where you can find confidence tips, you can hear from amazing guests and experts and people that have got confidence, found confidence and can give you more confidence. And I am delighted to welcome my very special guest today. She is a little bit of a diva. Well, her first book was called How to Be a Diva at Public Speaking. She's also been a singer and her book is out now called Big Talk, Small Talk and Everything in Between. Let me introduce you, Shola Kay. Hello, Shola. Virtual round of applause. I love the applause. Don't stop. Don't stop. (laughs) (laughs) So we are actually recording this virtually and thank you behind the scenes. We have a whole studio set up that we can only hear each other. We can't see each other. So thank you, lads, um, in in the studio, because we now are working virtually post-COVID-19 and most of our life is virtual. So Shola, how is the virtual world for you at the moment? You know, I have to admit that I was doing all right with virtual until I think just before Christmas. And then I had one day when I was like, oh, when is this going to end? But um, that helped me understand what it was like for other people kind of from day one of of lockdown. So, uh, So yeah, I think we're getting used to it, but equally looking forward to it being all over. Yes. So um, I'm, this, this is about being virtually confident. How virtually confident are you in terms of using all of this equipment and being on camera? And I know you've, you've been a singer and you, you speak um, virtually and you, I know you speak at events all over the world. But how confident do you think you are in, in the virtual world? Uh, well, I think I've grown more confident over time. And, and lucky for me, my business was partially online even before COVID. But it's funny because I was thinking about this yesterday and I, I did a keynote yesterday um, and was managing all the tech. And it was like doing one of my solo gigs in front of, you know, like a load of drunken people because <laughs> you have to keep your eye on loads of things so there's the, the the drunk person with a glass full of beer who's stumbling around next to your PA who's about to spill their beer over your expensive equipment then you've got the people who have sat down when you decided to do a ballad so you're thinking oh what should I sing next I need to get them up on the on the dance floor then you're remembering the lyrics and you're thinking oh when can I go home so uh, essentially multitasking isn't it really so it's <laughs> I know. Similar thing. <laughs> and, and come on, let's let's hear your most your your biggest frustration then, because I mean, I'm sure we've all over, over the last year or so, we have literally seen it all and seen naked bodies and people dialing in and they're on mute or not on mute or they haven't got a microphone at all. <laughs> well, what's your biggest frustration when it comes to the tech stuff? Gosh, that's an interesting question. I would say that um, I, I I like seeing all these people who've got these sort of super high tech setups. And there's a lot of people out there that say, well, if you're going to speak online, you must have, you know, green screen and video. But quite honestly, I think that it's quite off-putting because it's more tech in between you and the listener. So um, I, I would say just putting pressure on people that they need to have these really high tech setups where I think it's more important to be engaging with questions and, and chat, things like that than looking like you're in a BBC studio in your, your sort of back room at home. All right. Well, I, I've set up a mini studio here, so I, I quite like having a little mini cubby hole. Literally, my studio is 170 centimetres square. So it's not exactly very glamorous. And it consists of a sheet and some LED lights that are kind of dodgily propping, propped up on various ledges. But, um, but now, now you're in Devon, aren't you? 
Yes, yeah. So I was living in London, living living in uh, Labrick Grove, so right in the heart of London, until November. And then we decided that we would move down to Devon. And um, yeah, it's it's interesting because we've swapped the police sirens for uh, the cows. Uh, our cattle are lowing in the field next door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. And I'm in Spitalfields in London. And I, yeah, I'm near the Royal London Hospital. The oh, sirens oh. Every, every couple of every couple of seconds, there's sirens going past. You're right. I'm quite jealous, actually. I mean, how great is that? So you can work. You can be a speaker. You can be a diva. You can record stuff from Devon. How great is that? Yeah, it, it's something I'm really grateful for, and and it, it's it's interesting because I would really like to continue working remotely after lockdown. Uh, to be perfectly honest, because it is just for lifestyle, it's it's much easier. But of course, you miss out on the restaurants and the fun and the you know sort of being in the supermarket and bumping into someone famous that can happen in London. Whereas here in <laughs> Devon, I think they said Brian Adams is doing a concert in Devon next year, though. So. Uh... Brian Evans, everything I do, I do it for For you. you. (laughs) And so you don't experience FOMO. (laughs) Not yet, because I think because in London is lockdown, isn't it? But I think once lockdown ends, yeah, there may be a a bit of yearning, to be honest. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Well, Well, next time you're in London, let me know. And I will definitely have to go out for a a glass of fizz. Um, And and one of the things that we quite often end up talking about whenever we meet is our yin-yang relationship. So you are an introvert and I'm an extrovert. And we quite often get onto this subject, particularly because of your excellent book, Big Talk, Small Talk and Everything in Between, which is all about communicating with different personality types. So um, you talk in in one of your keynote speeches about life as an introvert but does that mean does introvert mean lack of confidence what does it mean being an introvert when it comes to being virtually confident well being an introvert for me it it, it's funny because a lot of people think different things about introversions they think it means shyness they think it means socially awkward they think it means not confident and that's not necessarily the case. So you can separate all of those from introversion. But it, it, it's interesting because I put a post on LinkedIn about um, introverts kind of speaking up. And somebody said, well, you know, the fact that now I can be in a big meeting and just put my comments in the chat rather than having to put my hand up and interject in front of everybody live means that I get my word in much more than I ever used to. So um, I do think that lockdown and this kind of move to virtual has been a big opportunity for a lot of introverts to make more of a contribution. That's really good news then, isn't it? Because yeah. it's more of a level playing field. Absolutely. I, th- I think it is. I really do think it is. And, and hopefully uh, people who have got used to making more of a contribution during this time will kind of be emboldened by that and continue once we do get back to face to face. I think the first time I saw you speak, you told a story about how you you lost your job because they didn't think you you spoke enough in meetings because because you were a bit of an introvert. Um, did you remember? Do you remember when I saw you in that conference? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I, I remember the the sacking quite well. Also, <laughs> did you actually get sacked? <laughs> well, I was in this job where I was um, sort of running a, a smallish team and was supposed to kind of you know do a lot of client meetings. And it, it's it's interesting because I did a keynote on this yesterday on, on the power of giving feedback, and it is one of those kind of I call it the wrecking ball where you know you're you're supposed to get kind of continuous feedback from your bosses at work, but 
sometimes you don't get any for six months or a year and it's suddenly like kabam pow <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was one of those situations where you know I was I was kind of given a bit of a silent treatment and then you know once they sat me down in my performance review then it all came out and one of the things that they said was that we feel you don't speak up enough in meetings and that you're not adding enough value and it, it's it's quite an interesting one because I think for me that was a combination of being in a new role so feeling you know like it takes some time to get used to uh, the new situation but then also being an introvert and it's a known uh, fact that many introverts need a few more seconds or you know just a bit of extra time maybe not seconds but a bit of extra time to think before they speak so typically extroverts will will speak then think then speak versus introverts <laughs> will think and then speak and then think again so it's, there's that extra lag and often it's interpreted as, you know, either not being up to the job or being hesitant or whatever. And it's just it's just a, 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 a trait of the introverts, basically. And I think it sounds like the feedback was given in quite a horrible way as well. <laughs> I think I think something to be said for giving feedback in that story rather than, the, you know, the fact that you were an introvert. Um, did you feel that being an introvert held you back at the time? Ah, uh, you know what? At the time, I literally just thought I was crap, right? So oh. I, remember, I just remember walking out, because this is the, in the days before Susan Cain wrote her book, Quiet, you know, The Power of Introverts. Yes. Yeah. In the last sort of 10 years, there's been a big push to explain introversion and, and look at how it can be advantageous. But back in those days, there wasn't really much around. So to be honest, it didn't even occur to me that it, that was part of it. Um, so I just remember walking out of the, after sort of being fired, I was just walking out thinking, hmm, should I apply for another job? No. Uh, and at that point, you know, I just kind of moved out of my flat and just changed my life completely. And um, and yeah, luckily I was rehabilitated and I'm here today. But, uh, but yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a big deal. Tears were shared at the time. Tears were shared, let me tell you. You know what, it's so funny when you're talking about feedback, because the last time we, we were chatting and I was telling you about I'm an extrovert so I've I've had the opposite the opposite experience almost where I've been told off for speaking too much so it's, and, I, and, I, and it's so funny I just thought I was crap <laughs> but, but the other way so I, there was one time I went for, for a meeting I used to work with my my husband now if I'd known I was going to be marrying this guy then I probably would have smacked him in the face but we had this meeting this is when he was my boss and we had a meeting at the Ministry of Sound and I remember I, I worked for a TV channel called Rapture Television and we were meant to be talking to Channel 4 about doing this co-production and it was really exciting and it was one of the first top level talks I'd been to and we came out of the meeting and Adam looked at me and he just went you spoke over them and he had, he had a go at me he gave me unsolicited feedback <laughs> he said don't, he, don't you know you have next time have big ears little mouth <laughs> after that we used to have a joke remember big ears little mouth and he, and he told me off and but the thing that really got me apart from thinking oh god I'm so crap the thing that really got me at the time was I didn't realize I was thinking I didn't realize that that, that was happening I didn't know that, that I had a condition <laughs> which was called blurt your mouth off. <laughs> so it can work both ways. You can you can you can be made to feel a bit of a fool if you speak too much without thinking. It's not a great strategy, is it? Speak and then think. <laughs> Sounds much better to think 
and then speak. And it's quite funny because isn't your partner extrovert? Yes, he is actually. He's much more sort of gregarious than I am and uh, sort of louder as well. So it is funny how often, I think maybe it's because of the gaps, right? So you, if you're an extrovert, you've got two extroverts together. I mean, can you imagine like all the the sort of battling that will go on for attention versus <laughs> when you've got one who's quiet and one who's louder, obviously this kind of fits fits together a little better, I think. Yeah, because my husband's an extreme introvert, so he's definitely the thinker. And and quite often, you know, when when he talks about his meetings and he works in the film industry, there's there's a whole bunch of them that some of them are creatives and they're like introvert creatives, they're thinkers. And he said sometimes in the meetings, the extroverts will at the beginning of the meeting will be, we need to do this and rah, 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 rah. But then he said, the thing about extroverts is that they run out of steam. (laughs) So about 15 minutes in, suddenly the introverts, the thinkers and the creatives will pipe up with their excellent thoughts. (laughs) That's funny. I've not heard that before. (laughs) I just just thought if if you could draw a graph of their meetings, you could kind of draw like who's who's action you know who's got the most impact in that meeting and actually maybe the introverts come out on top because they end with their great thinking (laughs) and the introverts have lost interest the extroverts have lost interest at the end so Shola give us give us a couple of your tips and I know you've got loads of tips I I love your book um, about um big talk, small talk and everything in between. It's all about communicating on every level. But I'd love just for, in the context of this virtually confident podcast, hashtag virtually confident, by the way, you know, what are your tips for introverts about being confident? Oh, I think, first of all, it's it's understanding that the content that you have is is of value and it's not necessarily about obviously how you express it express it is important but until you have worked on your communication skills and you're kind of happy with what everything that comes out I think just to be content with the fact that you've got some fresh ideas or you've got something to add and just try and get it out there any which way and I think as I say virtually it's a good time because Often introverts express themselves better uh, in written form than than verbal. So utilize the chat as much as you can right now. But then also um, don't be afraid to combine with your more extroverted colleagues and 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 say to them, hey, you know, when we get in that meeting, uh, you know, sometimes it takes me a while to warm up. So if if the if if they start talking about Project X, uh, please, you know, maybe you can just speak up and say, oh, yeah, Shola was talking about that the other day. Didn't you have a great idea about blah, blah, blah? And that will give me a little bit of a, an in into the conversation. So I think often extroverts are really happy to to just get involved and support. And I think that's a way that extroverts can help introverts to get 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 their ideas heard. I love that. And also what you were saying about now in this virtual world, writing your ideas down and also LinkedIn and posting articles and using that great content um, in other ways. And definitely the written the written format is really, really um, handy at the moment, isn't it? To be able to post your your content on LinkedIn or take photographs. That's a, that's a really good strategy to get your voice out there yes, um, if, yeah. if you're an introvert or an extrovert, to be honest. Um, it's, a really, it's really good to have multi-platforms of sharing your content. And, and, and I've got a couple of tips for extroverts. I think that's great as well about extroverts. The tip there is ask the introverts to contribute. Give them some notice. You know, say in a, in a moment we're going to be sharing this and then give them a few moments because they like to think. But then you can bring them in and it's almost an extrovert's job 
to to bring in the introverts in in the meeting and in the team. Um, the other, my other tip is, don't assume that extroverts are confident, because extroversion, which is we tend to think outside our heads, and so you know we just blah, 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 sometimes just thoughts come out, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're really confident. And I think that's quite often a, a misconception. And people think because you talk a lot or you you, you seem outgoing um, and bubbly, and people describe me sometimes as bubbly, and I used to really fight that. I don't want to be bubbly. You know, I want to be in- intelligent. <laughs> it's funny how people wouldn't ever put that as the first thing about my character. Um, but but it doesn't mean that you're confident just because you're an extrovert and, you, and you're, you're a bit of a chatter. And what I found personally, and I'd love your opinion on this, Shola, I actually really struggled with public speaking. So as, as I'm a confident person, I was very competent, particularly when I was producing shows and television, looking after live studios, producing live radio shows with celebrities and interviewing George Clooney and Madonna and the Spice Girls. And, you know, in, you know, I, I was very, very confident doing my job. But when it came to public speaking, I didn't start speaking until I until I set up my own business, helping people with their speaking and helping people with their pitching. And then I realized I had to do it myself. And as an extrovert, it was almost torture having to stand in front of an audience. And when I first did virtual speaking, having to stand in front of a camera and speak in in a kind of, speak with a one-way conversation, I found it torturous. I, I really, it took me a long time to get the confidence, um, to feel confident with public speaking. So my theory is, and also in my experience when I've helped senior leaders, particularly women, is my theory that actually extroverts struggle with public speaking more than introverts. What do you make of that? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because people always say to me, oh, you must be a huge extrovert because I see you speaking and performing. And I think you're quite right. A lot of People who are performers, actors, as you say, speakers, are introverts. And so what that means for them is they're not necessarily doing it for, uh, you know, it's not necessarily an ego boost. It's more of a kind of duty or a service that they're providing because they might feel a little bit um, not uncomfortable. I mean, they enjoy doing it, but but at the end, that there's a, a kind of drain of energy as opposed to feeling invigorated by it. And so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with you. I think there are a lot of good speakers out there who are introverts and also many who are extroverts too. But um, the, the approach can be for different reasons and the, the sort of way to get your energy back, whether before or after or during, is different also. And actually, I was just thinking about some of the people I've interviewed in real life. Um, and a, a lot of people, when I actually go, when I used to go and into, in the late 90s, I was an entertainment reporter. So I interviewed anyone who was doing anything between 1996 and 1997. <laughs> so if you're old enough to remember those years, um, you'll know some of these people. I was just thinking of some of the people that were really quite extreme introverts when I actually interviewed them face to face. And one of them was Victoria Wood, the, the late, great Victoria Wood, the comedian. She was so shy. And Harry Hill, I remember him on Virgin Radio and I was in charge of 
meeting him at the door and making sure he was okay. That you know Harry Hill, the the comedian with the big lo- with the glasses and the big collars. Oh, vaguely, um, vaguely. Yeah, and he was he was really shy as well. He, you know, really lovely guy, but completely different in real life. And the other person who who was actually a real letdown when I met her in real life was Madonna. <laughs> she was not. She was so. I don't know whether it's introvert or she's just moody. <laughs> mm. She doesn't like. She didn't like doing press interviews very much. But I, I, there were lots and lots of people when you meet them in real life you can't believe that they're such a huge character on the screen such a huge character on the stage so um it's an interesting phenomenon that isn't it yeah I think so and I I I can sort of from afar understand that because you if you're entertaining you know thousands of people in an arena somewhere you know that that requires a special amount of focus and preparation and creativity and you're not gonna be expending that all day every day just on like you know some Joe Schmo that's come to interview you or you know whatever's happening because that that, you know it's hard it's gonna take its toll on you if you're at that level of energy all the time I mean I'm sure there are a minority of people who can sustain that but a lot of people can't and and I think that's completely fine because then we do get that kind of stellar performance from them because they've been saving everything for that moment and then you get some people that they're clearly an extrovert and they love being surrounded by people um for example I think Jonathan Ross is one of those types he's like like, likes talking and he's he's looking around and chatting to everyone I tell you who else was a bit like that Danny DeVito he he was really outgoing because he's a tiny tiny little man (laughs) And when he walks in the room, he literally lights up the room. It's extraordinary. So it's, it is a character that you kind of born. You are born with this character, aren't you? I think so. And you can, you know, they always say fake it till you make it. And I think you can be an ambivert where you have moments where you can be extremely extroverted. Um, and then you sort of go back and, and kind of replenish your energy. But yeah, it, it's, I think you, you can, I think the lesson here is that you can do anything you want with any personality, but you've got to know what how you need to replenish your energy because if you are a quieter person you can't expect to just be on 24 7 um and I think that's why a lot of people you know people who have been really successful in the public eye are happy to step away from that because they just find it's it's so taxing it's so funny because I was talking to one of my clients we were talking about you know running some leadership programs and we were talking about introvert and extrovert and and um and she was saying so you know you must you must you probably need a bit of downtime don't you in between the sessions you'll probably need a bit of downtime and I was like like, yeah I'd need a little bit of downtime absolutely to recharge my batteries she went oh you know so you know what what how much time might you need you know like I think she was going to say like a day or something and I was like Probably about four minutes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you need a whole day off. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that's because I, you know, I, I my energy comes from people, but then occasionally I do have to lie down with a meditation tape and cover my eyes in a dark room. <laughs> well, like yesterday, um, I did two keynotes, and so one was interacting with I think about 300 people and I was on the chat with them while I was speaking so it was this kind of multitasking thing but and and I loved it I loved the interaction that that was the most fun part of it for me but then today I've just been a bit more chilled out and I think before I'd have punished myself and said come on you need to take me to be high energy as well but you've got to realize that there are ebbs and flows and and I think the biggest thing is knowing yourself and setting yourself up for success by giving yourself the support you need 
Yeah. Very wise words there, Shola. Um, and I must admit, I do, I do miss having the. I, I, before, I used to be afraid of auditoriums, but I do miss having the atmosphere of lots of people in the room at the same time and feeding off the audience. I used to it used to terrify me, but now it. I I really have learned to love it, and I really really miss that. So um, I wanted to talk. We were chatting earlier, weren't we, about my eighty percent perfect theme, which is all about people holding themselves back because they feel they need to be perfect. And um, I want to start a club called the 80% Perfect Club. And this has come from the 60% issue, which has been written about um, in the Harvard Business Review about how men are more likely to chime in or pipe up or say what their opinion is in a meeting, for example, if they're only 60% sure. Whereas when you ask a room full of women, how sure do you have to be? How perfect does your answer have to be before you pipe up in a meeting? And most of the time women will say, 100%. I don't want there to be any doubt in, in, in my perfection. So, um, I, so my big ask is I think it would be really, really helpful if people decide they only need to be 80% perfect. What, what do you think? Do you think that's a, that's a, fair, a fair number? I think it's it's a good start. Um, I, I speak a fair bit on diversity and inclusion as well. And there are a lot of stats out there um, around women and minorities being penalised a lot more if they get it wrong. And, you know, you've, you've had sort of epic fails of guys who've really messed up, but they've bounced back and, you know, the whole world has embraced them again. Whereas if you're a woman and you screw up like that, your, your career is basically over most of the time. So um, I, I can understand why there is that reluctance on the part of a lot of women to really, you know, put their neck on the line and and be a bit more out there with comments and with, you know, the, the ideas that they share. And I think one way that we can sort of get around that is by being more supportive of each other um, as women. And I remember reading something about a lot of the women in the White House where, uh, you know, there'd be meetings where they would sort of being mansplained or, you know, a woman would say something and then it was ignored and then the man would say it and it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And so what <laughs> they did is they kind of joined forces and they kind of made a pact with each other where, you know, if somebody said something that wasn't kind of taken in the right light, they would um, support each other and say, oh, you know, did you hear so-and-so's idea? And I think in the same way, we can be supportive of each other, not necessarily for the brilliance of our ideas, but just the fact that we are making the effort to put out ourselves on the line. And I think if we can um, sort of combine, and and there there could be men that are sympathetic to this as well. And I think we can use them as allies and say, well, look, this is what I'm trying to do here. Uh, Just just encourage me or back me up. And I think if we can use our colleagues um, as as allies, I think that will go a long way to helping us be a little bit more out there. And um, yeah, 80% is, is good enough. And then let that number drop over time too. Let it fall down to 60 for women. Oh my goodness, I don't know. That's a big ask, isn't it? I think that's fantastic. I mean, when I was speaking to a client of mine the other day, um, a a lawyer, and she was saying, you know, by the way, if you don't know what mansplaining is, (laughs) I'm sure you can Google it. Um, And this, we're not against men or anything like that, but but it's quite a common phenomenon and we hear stories about it quite a lot where a man will kind of just take over from a woman and just re- iterate what she said but they won't they won't listen to her they'll just listen to him but one of my lawyer clients the other day said you know we, we've we've got quite a lot of man claiming <laughs> so basically the bloke's taking the credit for the idea but without even realizing it because the woman's probably just backed down and thought 
think I might just be quiet here because I'm not 100%. I'm not 100% sure. So mm. I might just shut up. And so the bloke doesn't worry about being 100% because he's happy to be 60% sure. So he'll just say, hey, we had this idea. And, and then everyone's like, that's a great idea. But hang on a minute. Maybe it wasn't his. Mm. Um, but you're absolutely right. Um, being supportive of each other, w- being supportive of men, being supportive of women, women supporting women and helping them to come out of their shell, helping them to be a little bit less risk averse. Um, I think it's really, really important. Um, yeah. I spoke to a professor recently and she was talking about how when they put something into that she's a she's one of the professors behind Viagra <laughs> she's a very a very interesting woman she said the thing is is that when you've got a product you can't wait until you're 100 percent. you got to put it out in the market you know let's just you got you know it will take you your whole life to perfect that 20 percent. she was like you need to think about that it will take you your whole life if you were trying to get to perfection you'll never get there you have to take a punt sometimes and when I speak to headhunters and people in recruitment, they talk about taking a punt. So my message today is wake up in the morning and say, I only need to be 80% perfect today. And that's one of my many confidence tips. Does that help you, Shola? Are you 80% perfect today? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's, it's, an, it's an ongoing thing, isn't it? Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it's, you've got to continually be sort of bolstering your confidence and doing what you need to, to sort of lift yourself up. So for some, it might just be saying, hey, I'm good enough as I am. For others, it might be even around, you know, things like kind of doing some exercises on loving yourself or confidence or how to be happy with where you are and being content and moving from there. So there's there's so many different things that we can do to kind of help us be comfortable with who we are, where we are right now. And then, of course, that's the springboard, isn't it? That's the platform to achieve greater things. Absolutely. And if you want more confidence boosting from Shola, you can go to her website, sholak.com and Shola K, S-H-O-L-A-K is spelled K-A-Y-E dot com. And you can see her book, Big Talk, Small Talk and everything in between. And if you want some more confidence boosting and videos from me and more guests, go to the hashtag, hashtag virtually confident, or you can find me, Esther Stanhope, Esther spell E-S-T-H-E-R. My website is estherstanhope.com. But if you Google me, I will definitely come up. Shola Kay, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you for this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. And I can't wait to see your next keynote. Thank you so much, Esther. It's been a real pleasure and uh, always great energy lifting me up as that extrovert self that you are. And uh... <laughs> it's been fun. Thank you. And now let's lie down in a dark room. <laughs> <sighs>